for the first chapter of the Epistle of St. James. Dearly beloved, every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. From the Holy Gospel of St. John, chapter 16. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things you, to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Praise to you, O Christ. may be seated. The sanctuary lamp burns today in loving memory of Hugh Hudson. The final meeting for the consecration to St. Joseph, uh, this discussion group, will be held this Monday, tomorrow, May 3rd, at 545 in the cafeteria. The St. Vincent de Paul, uh, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, has begun its 2021 fill-a-prescription drive. Your donations provide necessary medication to those in need. Please see the display and collection container in our church vestibule to participate in this charitable program. Mother's Day is next Sunday, May the 9th. The Knights of Columbus will be selling red roses after all masses next weekend. The only cost is a donation made to the Pregnancy Problem Center. Please see the bulletin for details. If, we, if you would like your mother, grandmother, or any specially mother, special motherly woman to be remembered on Mother's Day, please use the Mother's Day Spiritual Remembrance envelopes. The names will be placed on the altar at all the masses on Mother's Day. I know the, uh, the governor has relaxed or uh, kind of punted the wearing of masks to the local, uh, to the local business owners and things. Uh, Bishop Duca has requested and encouraged that we continue uh, the use of masks in, the, in church, indoors in particular, uh, so as to encourage um, the faithful who have been reticent and reluctant to come to Holy Mass um, to have a bit more uh, encouragement to do so. Um, looking forward to the 
um, the return of the, the Sunday Mass obligation uh, in the weeks ahead. More information will be given on that in particular, uh, but so as to encourage others to be able to come uh, and to, to have the feeling of safety here in our church. This Holy Mass is being offered for Thomas Carlton Lee. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. A strong encouragement and exhortation from St. James. In recent weeks, we've sought to make this a reality in two small ways, though certainly noticeable ones. The return of holy water to the fonts in the church, and the introduction of the sprinkling rite prior to the celebration of the Mass, at this, on the Sunday Masses in particular. These are ways which we can, in a sense, put St. James's encouragement into action to cast off wickedness and to embrace meekness and the Word that saves our souls. The Old Testament speaks of a variety of sprinklings. We can recall Moses, how when he received the commandments, that they were sealed in blood. Always when there is a new commandment, there's the shedding of blood. A sacrifice must be offered to show the importance of the commands, to show the importance of the covenant, that there is a, a bond of blood that is made between the individuals into which the covenant, or the, the individuals who enter into the covenant themselves, particularly the people and God. When Moses gave them the commandments and offered it to them, they boldly said, all of these things we will do. And then the sacrifice was offered, and they were sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice. A sign of saying, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, may I die look like this animal did. A bold thing to say. We see also how in the furthering of the law, that for those who were bearing the cross of leprosy, part of the cleansing rites would be to be sprinkled with blood. There's various descriptions all throughout Leviticus of how homes are to be cleansed and people are to be cleansed and various things are to be cleansed. And very frequently, they involve the shedding of blood, which is sprinkled upon the individual, upon the home, upon the place. It means of sanctification, of purification. We see that even David understands that, that it doesn't have to be a, a, a leprosy of the flesh, but it can be a leprosy of the soul. It can be the reality of sin that convicts one and desires to be made clean again. As he prays in Psalm 50, wash me in hyssop, O Lord, sprinkle me, sprinkle me, make me clean. In repentance of his sin, he turns to the Lord and the desire to be made clean, and it is done by the shedding of blood sprinkled with the hyssop branch, just the same as those with leprosy. We can see another sprinkling that is not of blood, but of salt, of Elisha the prophet, who goes forth, and when the water is impure and unable to be drunk, he sprinkles upon it salt, and it is cleansed, able to be consumed, and the people are saved. 
The reality is that for us as Christians, as Catholics, we know that the things that we do, the rituals that we celebrate in, in, in the liturgy of the church and all of its different manifestations, it is not something that simply began with a lot of really creative people in the year 33 AD that said, hey, you know, I've got a great idea. Let's do something different this time. Let's make up a ritual. It was not the reality. They came with their roots, their Jewish roots, and they understood all the things that had taken place and that Christ was the fulfillment of those things. And so they bring what was old and make it new, just as Christ. The old Moses, when the people entered into the covenant, sprinkled them with blood. But when we enter into the covenant with God in our baptism, We are sprinkled and washed not with blood, but with water. The reminder to us of that blood and water that poured forth from the heart of Christ, the fount of salvation on the cross, foretelling and speaking of the goodness of holy baptism. It is there that we see the covenant, the bond with us begin with our Lord. We are washed and we are made part of the family of God. But in the same manner, when we are sprinkled with holy water, there too is a cleansing, a cleansing of venial sin. We are preserved, strengthened by God and His grace, as we know that holy water is a sacramental of the church. It's something that predisposes us, it it, it inclines us to openness to grace from God. Not only grace, but wisdom. In holy baptism, in the extraordinary form, the first thing, one of the first things that takes place is a child receives upon their lips salt. We give them salt. It's a strange thing. But the reality is that the words of of the ritual speak of the first taste of wisdom, salt. So the reminder to us that salt not only is something that purifies and preserves, but also predisposes one to receive wisdom. It's for all these reasons that is fitting for us to begin the solemn celebration of Holy Mass on Sunday with a rite of sprinkling. It's the fact that we come and the priest representing the person of Christ, acting in the person of Christ, begins the ritual by a washing. To go to each of you and to sprinkle upon you symbolically the reminder that you have been baptized into Christ. You no longer belong to the world. You belong to Him. To cleanse you from, as St. James would describe, all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness. To cast off venial sin from you by the washing with water. To preserve you in His grace and to incline you to receive even more of it here and to incline you to holy wisdom. Every Sunday it is fitting for us to be washed in water. And Mother Church, so, so, so emphasizing this point of the washing of water, says even when there is not a minister to sprinkle it upon you as a reminder to you, we're going to put it at the door so you can do it yourself to make sure that it's done. Holy water fonts such that when the sprinkling doesn't take place, you can still come and remind yourselves of these things and to allow the sacramentals of the church to touch and transform your soul and to predispose you to what happens here on this altar. 
to receive grace, to listen to the word of God and allow it to convict your heart, to grow in holy wisdom, not the wisdom the world would offer. When we allow the holy water to be sprinkled upon us, it is a powerful thing. It's not simply a nice ritual by which we can, you know, kind of celebrate in a unique way. It's not just an extra add-on as if uh, an ancillary thing that's not really that important to us. It has great value. It prepares us for what actually takes place in the beginning of Holy Mass. The sprinkling rite is not actually part of the, the Mass itself. The Mass begins when the priest gets to the chair, puts on the vestments, and ascends to the Holy Altar. The sprinkling is simply the prelude to prepare us. Since it's a, an introduction uh, that we have done here in recent weeks, uh, just to give you a little guidance on the practical nature of things. So when the, uh, the sprinkling rite takes place, so right, we, we, we ring the bells, you know, everybody stands up, so y'all are, y'all are good on the bell ringing and standing up thing. We've got you trained really well like Pavlov's dogs. So you can come down the way, right? everybody stands as, a, as the entrance procession takes place. We kneel for a moment to the holy altar, beseeching the Lord's mercy, beseeching his grace. Always we come and ask first, Lord, prepare us. Even the preparatory prayers before, the prayers at the foot of the altar, is preparing, opening our hearts to enter into the holy altar. And even so, beforehand, we come and first kneel. We sprinkle the, the holy water upon the altar as a reminder to God of the covenant that we have entered into with him. So he is sprinkled first, we are sprinkled next, and then the community then stands. So for the sprinkling rite, uh, it would be typical that you would stand for that. Uh, we'd go through the, through the sprinkling rite at the Gloria Patri. It is proper for us uh, to bow. So if you see me stopping in the middle of the aisle uh, to bow, that's the reason. It's the Gloria Patri is being prayed. It would be proper for us all to bow to our Lord as, uh, as, as the, the, the sacred mysteries are being invoked of the mystery of the Trinity. And then it would continue and conclude. So whenever we return to the front, uh, the final prayers are prayed. You're welcome uh, to join in, the, in the, the responses to those prayers as they are chanted and as you feel comfortable doing so. And then when the priest ascends to the chair, uh, when he goes simply to the chair, you would be seated. Uh, and so it's not a ceremonious action. You don't, have to, you don't have to be kneeling or standing for anything particular. It's merely just being practical. We just have to change clothes for the Holy, for the holy Sacrifice to begin. So, it's a good time for you to make sure that your page is set for the missal, that you're on the right Sunday, these kinds of things. Be seated for a moment as the, as the, the vestments are changed and on for Holy Mass. And then when the priest and the servers turn and begin the, to ascend uh, to, the, to the steps of the Holy Altar, it is at that point that we would typically kneel uh, for the prayers of the foot of the altar and the rest, uh, the rest would continue as normal. And so it's these things that, that, we, that we come and we enter upon these great mysteries. Also, part of the reason, the, part of the, the gift of standing is, is Mother Church uh, stands during the Easter season. Uh, it's kind of an interesting, interesting anomaly. Uh, as, as kind of a, a liturgical voice of, of uh, speaking with our body, that which we are, are proclaiming by our theology, that there's something different about the Easter season. Uh, so we stand, even during the litanies of supplications and these kinds of things, one would stand uh, in particular. And so that standing posture is an orientation of, of, of action, of, of corresponding to willingness to do something. 
All right, willingness to allow our hearts to be purified, willingness to, uh, to receive the grace of Christ, willingness to receive the wisdom that comes from on high, and to turn to our blessed Lord and all of these things. The rituals of the church are full of mystery. And this is one of the tremendous things about the liturgy. Is it can seem, so if someone were to come in here and simply see Father comes around and he says some prayers and he slings water on everybody and comes back and says some more prayers, it can seem a kind of strange thing. So, wow, that's, you know, I've seen weirder things among Catholics, but this is different too, right? But it's to say that everything we do, everything we do in the liturgy, whenever it is planned and structured, is a place where we are praying. It's a place of orienting our hearts to Christ that even a simple sprinkling of water is full of meaning and full of grace. So as we turn to our blessed Lord, it's an invitation for us to remember that as we have come here today, whether you knew it or not, you are already, by the sprinkling, put away filthiness and rank growth of wickedness. It is now for us to turn to our Lord in meekness and humility, to listen to Christ, who indeed speaks the word to us of himself, which is able to save our souls.